0: It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I am David Leventhal. On today's show... Why can't we all just get along? And I tremble to think how few of my listeners actually know what the hell I'm referring to there. That, of course, the famous words from Rodney King, who kind of unintentionally set off maybe the last major race riots in this country. On today's show, anyway, the protests for justice, the latest on, on where we are. More trouble in Trump land. Could it be that there is a chance that the Trump cult will fracture before the 2020 elections? And the need for accountability from the police, as well as from corporate America and our wealthy masters. Anyway, on to today's show. Starting it off first, the President of the United States, Leads us through the latest crisis involving nationwide, worldwide, in fact, protests against racist violence, police and otherwise. Yes, Trump leads us through the crisis just as he has led us through the COVID crisis. With strong, decisive, principled, and honest leadership. Completely absent, of course. (laughs) Um leading us through it. Donald Trump, of course, as you've already heard, when the crisis began, Donald Trump went to go inspect his underground bunker. thought it was a good time to do that. Uh, probably his bone spurs were acting up to be fair to Donald Trump. You know, I actually, actually, when this started and I read that Donald Trump had, uh, the president of the United States showing his usual fortitude, bravery, whatever went to his underground bunker while this all started. um, I wrote a joke that he went there so he could inspect the bunker because Donald Trump is just so on top of everything. What a micromanager. I am just more reason. I have more reason to be pissed at Donald Trump because he stepped all over that joke. He cause because then he actually said that that's what he did. He said, Yeah, I was just going down there to inspect the underground bunker, because after all, again, Donald Trump micromanages everything. So, yeah, um, I I do tell jokes on this show. You could be forgiven for not having noticed, I guess. But uh, it kind of sucks when the President of the United States walks all over your material. Anyway, um, as he has led us with strong, decisive, principled, and honest leadership, he's also happened to double down on crazy. And by double down... I mean, we're on a logarithmic scale at this point, and we've, we're dealing with very, very high numbers. Uh, Trump has just got one one crazy thing after another, blaming this on anybody other than himself, picking fights with, with everyone he possibly can, threatening violence, lying about everything, literally everything. But the the the, the piece de resistance, of course, has to be... Uh, using George Floyd as his ally uh, with his with his now infamous tweet hopefully or or statement hopefully George is looking down right now and saying this is a great thing that is happening for our country not even about the protests that his death engendered where one at least could be forgiven and hoping that he would be looking down from somewhere and finding some, solace from the fact that there might possibly be improvements made that it could have his death could have led to something positive no he trump of course was talking about the latest jobs report the latest jobs report that showed unemployment uh way lower this past month than than we had expected So there's the president of the United States and his decisive leadership. Again, um, I apologize to my listeners. The president of the United States, as I've mentioned many times before, isn't even worth discussing in America other than sort of for the occasional joke opportunity. So speaking of the occasional joke opportunity, there was of course, and speaking of Trump doubling down on crazy, um, there was Donald Trump's photo op with the Bible. Now, You've all heard about this, that in order to get Donald Trump a photo op, they tear gassed, they shot rubber bullets at, they employed violence against peaceful protesters, going against the 200-something history of this country, protesting in D.C., so that Donald Trump could have a clear path to walk to the church to hold of the Bible. And I'll come back to that for a moment, but... Let's just really start with this. Seriously, Donald Trump holding a Bible. Can we just focus on that? for? I really haven't heard people talking about this. I think because it's understood how absurd the whole thing is. And I guess it's eclipsed by what he did in order to get this photo up. But Donald Trump posing with a Bible. I understand some good news that there maybe has been some loss of support in the evangelical community. Some loss of support in the evangelical community. we just gonna have to keep going there. Those fucking morons. Anyway, Donald Trump with a Bible. The guy who's divorced three times, his wives are all bought and paid for, basically, let's be honest here. Uh, the guy who paid off, paid hush money out of campaign funds, illegal hush money to a porn star to cover up the fact that he had sex with her engaged in an extramarital affair while his latest wife was giving birth the man who is a pathological liar who has lied thousands upon thousands of times i haven't kept up with the with the latest total as kept by the uh by the washington post but He's got to be past 20,000 at this point in the three years of his presidency. This is the guy who poses with a Bible. Can you, I think atheist groups really need to use that picture. I think anytime, Bill Maher should be using that in his next movie, Making Fun of Religion. You should just show that picture of Donald Trump holding a Bible. Because if there is anything that discredits the whole concept of religion... As much as that, I, well, I guess histories of violence and whatever. But anyway, that's a big one. It it really does kind of uh, undermine the whole concept of religion a little bit. But um, tear gas, rubber bullets, attacks on peaceful protesters. Uh, This is from the administration who believes in the First Amendment. Right? Believes in the First Amendment. Uh, We hear all the time about freedom of speech. We've talked on a last couple of shows about freedom of speech for corporations. Freedom of speech to buy elections. Freedom of speech for the President of the United States and his conservative enablers to lie to the American public at will. Freedom of speech that allows lying sacks of shit like Fox News to even exist. To lie to stupid Americans to make them even worse than they were beforehand. They believe in free speech. Well, also, of course, in the First Amendment is freedom of assembly. That one, apparently, eh, not so much. Another reminder, I, the, the mistake that the protesters made here was that they should have incorporated before they tried to protest. Some of them may have actually, maybe doctors and lawyers, and they personally uh, incorporated so they can avoid personal responsibility. But it is a reminder of the fact that in at least Republican circles, and Republican circles means now for the United States of America, it is better to be a corporation than to be a human. That for the most part corporations are provided with more rights and more ability to exercise those rights including of course free speech which as I've noted at length is anything other than free in America the corporations have more rights than human beings and republicans are perfectly happy that about that. Companies lying throughout the coronavirus leading People to die after getting sick, that's free speech. Rich companies, rich people buying elections, that's free speech. People actually seeking to exercise their free speech rights. Well, those people need to get rubber bullets, man. Those people need to be tear gassed because that shit's awful, according to the Republicans. That's where we stand right now in free speech and my conversations of the last couple of shows I guess could not have been brought more into stark relief than by this photo op for the President of the United States. So we are through two weeks of the protest at this point. The police continue to make the protesters' case though the violence has, has died down on both sides of the equation. This is a long-time need that this that these protests against police misconduct are really seeming to take hold across America. Because, as I've talked about on the show before, people come out and say that um, there's a few bad actors here. Some police engage in misconduct. I, I guess I was r- reminded recently of two things in this. One is i of reminded of a great student I had a few years ago when I was trying to trying to be magnanimous and tone down the conversation in class a couple of years ago and saying, you know, hopefully we can all hope that the police are by and large honest people want to do the right thing. There's some bad actors, obviously, and one of my students raised his hand and said, it's really not just a few bad actors. And I, it's someone I've sp- I'd spoken to beforehand when he knew how I felt as well. He said, it's the whole system. The system is set up to be like this. And as my nephew reminded me the other day, which is, which is kind of fun to think about, the, the entirety of that cute little pithy phrase is a few bad apples spoil the entire bunch. The Focus here on spoil the entire bunch. This is not just isolated bad actors. This is a system that is bad. It is a system that is, we are learning, that was set up in many cases to be bad. Many people who know way more about this than I do have been out speaking about the fact that police forces around this country were set up to continue our racist foundation. The racist foundation of this country, that it was embedded racism within our police forces designed to maintain white privilege and white superiority. Well, there have been great strides made in this, in this country. I don't have a lot to be upbeat about on this show, so when I have an opportunity, I like to try to take advantage of it. This country has made tremendous strides over the last couple of decades. With regard to racism, sexism, the way we treat the LGBTQ community. We have made unbelievable strides. The idea that we are talking about transgendered rights at this point is remarkable. When just a few years ago, it was it was widely Felt in this country that the push for same-sex marriage was premature, that the country wasn't ready ready for that. We're at a point where at this point, if you stand up, certainly in in the New York City area, if you were to raise your hand in one of my classes and say, I don't believe in same-sex marriage, every one of your students would turn to look at you and think, Stay the fuck away from me. Like what the fuck is wrong with you at this point? You are such a you are such an outcast. You are such an outlier. We have made tremendous strides. As I've argued at length on this show, one of the things that we can't lose sight of is that much of what Trump is about is the backlash to all the strides we have made towards equality. And let me also be clear here, by the way, as the protests have pointed out and as we've known otherwise, we have a long way to go to reach equality. I don't mean to say that we've, that we've won, the battle has been won. We have moved the needle in the right direction. But there has been a tremendous backlash. That backlash has resulted in Donald Trump. And make no mistake, Donald Trump is a reaction to the strides that we have made. He, he is the troglodyte response to rights for the disadvantaged in this country. And we are seeing that writ large right now in the protests, the schism that is in fact this country. This country is, i um, talking about in one of my classes right now, or about soon to talk about, this country finally, pushed by the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s, instituted in our laws some great measures to try to make a reality of the Equal Protection Clause in the end of the Civil War a century before, which had not been realized in this country. And we passed the Civil Rights Act that was designed to really promote the equality that had been missing and, and had been not been a reality for African Americans and many others in this country even after the Civil War, even after the laws and the Constitution were supposedly requiring it. We even went so far as to institute affirmative action policies to try to make the reality of equality a reality or the promise of equality a reality. We had thoughtful, decent people fighting to try to make this country a fairer place. We passed the Voting Rights Act in the 1960s. And since that time, over the last few years, we have seen a retrenchment, slowly at first along the outer edges and picking up speed under and leading to Trump. We had the push back against affirmative action, which may culminate later this year or soon the United States Supreme Court safely stolen by the ultra-right, invalidating affirmative action and efforts to actually make the promise of equality real. We had a couple of years ago, the United States Supreme Court, again, with five su- conservative justices, a conservative majority that has absolutely no business being there in the United States Supreme Court, roll back the Voting Rights Act on the theory that we were a post-racism society. Yeah, that's what Ju- Chief Justice John Roberts said a few years ago, in a prescient opinion that was so prescient, he said, we don't really need these aspects of the Voting Rights Act because we are beyond the point where we will be trying to disenfranchise black people. The very same day that 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 decision was announced, southern states began, they had the laws already, and they began enacting laws to disenfranchise black people. We are pushing back against same-sex rights, In this country that is ultimately what this battle is about and this is the narrative that needs to not be forgotten as we talk about these protests that this is about equality that has eluded the unequal in this country particularly the african-american community but others that has eluded them for the history of this country where white people enjoying their white privilege and their white superiority. And yes, I know, in America today, it's not right to talk about white privilege. But white privilege is as obvious as the sun is hot. It's as obvious as the summer approaching. White privilege exists in this country, and that is what white people continue to fight for, to maintain their privilege. That needs to be the narrative. Forget the media narrative that we're hearing. We're hearing, of course, on the right, them trying to make it as they always do when there are protests about police misconduct and the murder of innocent people, or even not so innocent people, but people who don't deserve to be murdered, especially by the police. George Floyd is being dragged through the mud right now in right-wing circles. This happens every time. Black guy was murdered, Trayvon Martin. Well, let's start talking about how bad Trayvon Martin is, as I talked about years ago on this show. Whenever the police murder a black guy, we are reminded that the the black person who was murdered, the victim's history, is fair game and will immediately be released to the public and be fodder for right-wing critics. Whereas instances of police misconduct continue to be hidden. The information about the police officer that did the murdering is something that doesn't get shared in America. Well, regardless of whether or not George Floyd was a saint, in this case, he was accused of passing a counterfeit bill. Not a a capital offense in America, even if he had committed it, which we do not know he even did. But the right will drag him through the mud because that's how the police and the right tend to win. They are, after all, the thin blue line protecting Americans from the evil black people. In fact, the story here in this country and the story with these protests, as we hear about the violence and why don't these people behave and they don't know how to behave themselves, this is why we need the police, they're a bunch of violent hooligans and hoodlums and whatever else, the remarkable story here, well, the, the story here is how absolutely remarkable the the disadvantaged, black people especially, have been forever in this country. How much shit they have taken without burning the fucking house down over 400 years in this country. I cannot even begin to imagine what black people continue to suffer through in America every day. Maybe, maybe more whites are starting to get a better sense of that. I think on the show last week, I, I talked about the plot against America and the uh, an alternative history from Philip Roth about uh, if a Nazi sympathizer, Charles Lindbergh, had been elected president in 1940 and what it would have been like for Jews in America. And as I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is awful. And I'm and I'm really able to empathize with what it's like for these people to look at the police in fear, wondering what the police are going to do to them. My first thought was, wait a minute, this is how Black people live in America every single day, and for 400 years. It is remarkable to me. We're supposed to be really upset that they that they throw throw some rocks through. And I, by the way, I don't think they should be throwing rocks through windows. Certainly, of small stores, they shouldn't be throwing it through Target either. It just gives people a chance, it just gives jackasses a chance to enrich themselves and it gives awful people a chance to dismiss what they are fighting for. But seriously, the problem here is throwing some rocks through windows of Target? These people have been subject to legalized murder in this country. Again, we have stand your ground laws in this country as a reaction to the progress that we've made. Stand-your-ground laws are basically free-to-kill-a-black-person laws in much of this country. That's what they are. Go ahead, kill black people. It's okay. You can just go into court and say, I was worried for my life. After all, that person is black. And the jury, oh, yeah, ooh, I understand that. So it is remarkable how much change has been so spectacularly overdue in this country. And that is why there's more hopefulness here that the call for change seems greater now than it's ever been. I've gone through some of these riots, certainly protests. We are seeing change already, and we are seeing demands, not from the usual quarters, for even greater change. Democrats in Congress have unveiled a a bill to further rein in the police, most importantly to make them more accountable, which is the, I'll get into this later, but the number one most important thing that needs to be done. There are proposals for real reform around this country, from states, from cities, from Joe Biden to actually reform the police. There seems to be what I hope will be a lasting change in police support. That as as Obama, former President Obama came out in a hopeful sign and said he's hopeful about these protests because they seem more diverse than they've been before. In other words, White people are joining in the protests right now. White people usually join in up to a point, but then when they figure it might affect them, it might actually come out of their wallet, it might reduce their privilege, the support tends to dissipate a little bit. But now there seems to be much more of a diverse call here for the change that is absolutely necessary. I was out over the weekend in, I think it's Seldon. I don't know where the hell it is because I don't even know where the hell Seldon is. But I was somewhere way out, on well, fairly well out on the island in what is, to a large extent, really conservative America. Republican Republican strongholds, probably Trump's strongholds for the most part, although there are obviously islands of, of intelligence and better voting out there. And there were protests and there were lots of people protesting and almost all of them that I could tell were white. So there's hope here that this will actually result in change even when the cameras look elsewhere. Some of the real hopeful signs for me are changes in support for the police. People talk about change, but ultimately it always seems to come down to the fact that people rally around the police. They get scared about something. We hear about the thin blue wall, the thin blue line that protects us from the evil, and people always tend to support the police. Police funding is always supported. Efforts to to reduce police funding, efforts to promote accountability always seem to lose support. And that doesn't really seem to be the case right now. And that maybe is the most hopeful sign of all. We are discussing around this country actually defunding the police. In some cases calling for eliminating funding. Basically, getting rid of the police as it's known, given its, its racist backdrop. And I don't know, maybe considering, as, as ridiculous as it sounds, the whole idea that we'd get rid of police. We obviously can't get rid of police. There's too many shitty people out there. Too many people who would take advantage. But what about replacing the police we have now? What about thinking big? What about replacing the police we have now with some community enforcement group? That does what the police is supposed to say it does protect, serve, all that bullshit. With some group that's actually on the side of the public, a group that's aligned with the public. A group that, for instance, doesn't trick people into committing marijuana crimes. As I've talked about on this show. Where the police in New York City for years and years were tricking people, we're telling people, ordering people to take the marijuana out of their pockets. And then once they had the marijuana out of their pockets, they committed a crime. And then the police were arresting them. This is pointing out how the police have become the enemy of the people. That's what it should say on the sides of the uh, the cars. Screw you. Okay? Watch it, bitch. Or something like that. Maybe there could be some replacement with an organization that actually supports, that is allied with the people they're supposed to serve. That's... Also probably asking too much. But it's remarkable, all of a sudden, the turnaround. You know, all the cities and states in this country are facing a budget shortfall with the help of the Republicans in the United States Senate who are preventing the aid that the cities and the states need from the federal government. More on that in the future. But uh, we're all facing budget shortfalls. And yet, up until a week or so ago, all of these cuts that were being required All of these sacrifices, as always, did not touch the police. That was true in the nation's two largest cities, New York and Los Angeles, where the police, of course, were insulated from budget cuts. Well, that doesn't seem to be true anymore. It's certainly not true in Los Angeles, I understand, where the mayor has come out and said, yeah, we're changing that. We're looking for deep cuts in the police. And even de Blasio's making noises in New York that maybe instead of just cutting food for school children and chalk for school children and whatever resources teachers need in our schools we'll just you know make americans dumber we'll just instead of just cutting education budgets and safety budgets and road repair and things like that maybe we should consider cutting the funding of some of the fascist organizations well that was a little harsh but not particularly harsh i'm not sure about what solutions will be enacted. I'm not sure what solutions need to be enacted, but I will, in keeping with the theme of my last few shows, in fact, my shows all along, one of the things that I know is absolutely necessary is that accountability is number one. The changes need to make the police accountable because right now the police are not accountable and they never have been. I have talked about this at length. I will repeat it now. If you're driving on the highway and there's someone driving like an absolute fucking lunatic, I don't know how you, but with me, my first thought is, must be a cop. We've driven on the roads and seen that the police, who can pull people over and give them tickets for not following the law, seem to not know where their traffic signal usually lies on their, on their vehicles. Because the police are not accountable. They have those little get-out-of-jail-free cards. That if they get pulled over, if they get stopped, they get away with it. That is not acceptable in a civilized society. If you are unaccountable, you become a wrongdoer. Period. The end. We need real oversight of the police. We need public records of discipline of police officers. Police personnel files need to be public. Reprimands need to be public the public needs to know what it is getting into with police officers before it hires them or before it puts them out on particular assignments. Police officers who break the law need to be held to account. Not even like ordinary citizens, but beyond ordinary citizens. If your job is to enforce the law, you should be held to even greater account for following the law, not less. The stories, uh, well, In New York City, hearing that we have a civilian complaint oversight board of the police. But it is in the police contract that the civilian oversight board, any of their recommendations are meaningless. They can't act on them. There's nothing they can do. And their results can be kept secret in many cases. Findings can be kept secret about dirty cops. We've all been hearing talk about the cops in Buffalo pushing over the 75-year-old man with a cane. That's, of course, pathetic enough, but of course, to add injury to injury, they then proceeded to come out and lie about what happened, saying that the guy tripped. This is, in my experience, and, and in my reading experience, absolutely commonplace. The police lie all the time because they always get away with it. Uh, I talked in class today, about. I remember reading a book, I read, read this about other sources, having been a lawyer in a past life, uh, I've um, I've followed a lot of criminal justice issues, and having, I remember reading a book by the assistant district attorney in Manhattan, and just the line that stood out for me, he said, everybody in the criminal justice system knows that police lie all the time, they are the worst witnesses because they lie all the time, everybody knows it, all the prosecutors know it, everybody knows it. Um, I, I have told long ago, I told my experience on this show years and years ago in traffic court, I got pulled over for a ticket by a cop who spent his life sitting at a broken traffic light, giving people signals every time they went, they went through it. Their light basically had no yellow light. So every time it turned red, someone went through the red light. It's just a matter of physics. In fact, I took pictures. I took videos of the broken traffic light to make a long story short. The cop repeatedly went into court. He, he just sat there and gave tickets. He went back to the same spot after he gave a ticket and they gave a ticket to the next guy and then spent the rest of the day eating his donuts. Then he walked into traffic court and he lied and said the light was in perfect working order. The judge in traffic court backed him up, refused to watch my video where I showed that he was lying. Again, I'm making a long story short. I, I, screamed about this to everyone who knew me for the longest time. My family was saying to me, relax. It's just, I mean, he lied about traffic. It's not a big deal. And my response was, if he lies in traffic court, you don't think that three years from now, he's going to lie about a jewelry robbery or drugs he found. Once they're taught that it's okay to walk into court and lie, they're going to walk into court and lie about whatever they need to lie about. Unfortunately, this is the police. And it's not a few bad actors. It's the fucking system. And maybe we are pushing for change. Let's start with this change. If you lie and you are a police officer, if you lie to reporters, if you lie to your superiors, if you lie to the public, God knows if you lie to court under oath, you are automatically fired with a loss of all of your accumulated benefits, including whatever pension benefits you've built up to that point. How about starting with that? If you are a fucking liar as a police officer, you get fired and you lose everything. But a reminder of what we're up against. Keep battling because the battle lines are drawn here. The police have been bold in their actions because they've always gotten away with it and because I, I believe that that's what the 2020 election is a referendum on. I talked about the battle lines being drawn in our last show. I I This is absolutely, as far as I'm concerned, this tracks what is happening in America. Donald Trump The police, the police being the one union in America that overwhelmingly supports Donald Trump, says a lot, is coming out and saying we are above the law. We're not even going to lie about it. We're not going to make believe that we're following the rules. We're going to tell you to go fuck yourself now. The dog whistles have been put away. Donald Trump has put away the dog whistles, and he's coming right out and saying, I'm a fucking criminal, and I will do whatever the fuck I want. What are you going to do about it? And so the police, this being the battle line in America right now, don't bother coming out and saying we don't engage in violence and this is bad and whatever else. They just come out and say we're going to do whatever the fuck we want because we're the police and we could do whatever the fuck we want. Boy, is 2020 important. The key here for whatever is going to happen, whatever good news happens, it all goes away after November of 2020, if Donald Trump wins election. All of it goes away. So you want the protests to mean something? Here's my suggestion. March right down to a polling booth in November of 2020. Keep your march going. Get your fellow citizens ready to march To vote in 2020 because that will decide what happens to police accountability. That will decide what happens to justice. That will decide whether white privileged people continue to be above the law in America. That will determine whether or not we still have a country. Let's be honest. If Trump gets reelected, we're done. Speaking of Trump's reelection, some cracks again in the Trump cult. Of course, the big news was his former defense secretary, Mad Dog Mattis, coming out and basically blasting his boss. Um, Some of of the terms that Mattis used, consequences of three years without mature leadership. The first president in my lifetime, this is a quote, who does not try to unite the American people, does not even pretend to try. Instead, he tries to divide us. And then he goes on and basically compares Donald Trump to the Nazis. Trump administration to the Nazis. This is his former defense secretary. Remember, this was the grown-up in the room when we first started the Trump administration. This is the guy who was purged with any of the other grown-ups to be replaced by the complete and utter shit that now comprises our entire federal government. Those sentiments, by the way, were seconded by Trump by Trump's former chief of staff, John Kelly, who basically said, oh, "Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I agree." He's a fucking child trying to, maybe not even trying to run the country. Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Republican Senator of Alaska, came out and issued some mild criticism of Trump. Wow, cracks in the wall. I can just bet that Susan Collins is out there really giving this some serious thought and consideration. And I'm being a little facetious here because uh, it just seems to me we've been here before. Defense Secretary Mark Esper, I think, is is illustrative of what's happened with him of where we've gone before. Defense Secretary Mark Esper, you've heard, came out and also issued some somewhat mild, not necessarily so mild, criticism of Trump's thought of putting the United States military onto American streets, where it can hopefully fire on U.S. citizens. Right, Tom Cotton? You fascist piece of shit. Anyway, I won't go there. Um, it's getting late. But Defense Secretary Mark Esper said, not a good idea to put the United States military on our streets and, you know, presumably start shooting at U.S. citizens. So Mark Esper, Defense Secretary Mark Esper, was called into Donald Trump's office. After having a conversation with the commander in chief, Mark Esper had a sudden change of heart. You know who's had changes of heart before? Lisa Murkowski has had changes of heart. The question is, yes, Lisa Murkowski, like Susan Collins, comes out every few weeks and says that she is troubled by something that the immature child, man-child, lying, criminal son-of-a-bitch who's the president of her party and of this country has done, but who ultimately gets in line when push comes to shove. Because the Republican Party has shown over the years, because, well, because of our campaign funding system, as well as because any ounce of integrity has been thrown out of that criminal organization. When the choice is between what is the good of your country, the good of your planet, and what is your personal success, the Republican Party has shown that to be an easy call, that they step into line as soon as they're shown where their bread is buttered. I was asked by a student in class just today, do you ever agree with Republicans and i thought wow that's a that's a powerful question because man i must be pretty extreme if i'm that if i'm that confident if if i'm that one sided that i don't ever agree with republicans and i thought about it and i said no i don't ever agree with republicans and it's not me being extreme although that's of course uh, but, but the fox news listeners viewers who wander onto this podcast might feel otherwise But I'm not the extremist. The Republican Party has gone insane. That's been clear. They are a criminal organization which has absolutely no integrity. I pointed out to my student. I know that sounds awful. But the party's gone insane. Lindsey Graham, who had some really wonderful choice words, look up that quote, I don't have it in front of me, about how completely unqualified for President Donald Trump was, is now his biggest bitch. Ted Cruz, who Donald Trump accused who accused his father of, of killing John F. Kennedy and talked about his wife being ugly. Ted Cruz fell into line and supports Donald Trump as he needs to. This isn't a political party. It's a criminal organization. It is a criminal cult. So, no, I there is nothing anymore that I grabbed. I, I told my student, the first time I voted in a presidential election, I voted for a Republican running as an independent. All of my students got a good laugh, and we all said at the same time, that's not happening again in my lifetime. There is no chance of that happening anymore because of how crazy that party has gone. The Republican Party, though, they they are not paragons of virtue, but the hope is here that they are bellwethers. They believe in nothing except for their own success. Which means the good news is, as soon as it is expedient for them to throw Donald Trump under the bus, he will have tire tracks on him. And there may be at some point I you know, I, I just I'm reminded of my doing this several times over the last three years. So I think I'm engaging in wishful thinking, but maybe, maybe. They are bellwethers of the fact that the tide is turning in this country and they think that things are not looking good for Trump and that this is the time where they these rats could desert the sinking ship. One hopes. In any way, In any event, this shows us the path forward. And the path forward is, for all of us, full-throated support of Joe Biden. Whatever you think, don't make the whatever you think about Biden's flaws, don't make the mistake we made with Hillary Clinton. You have a choice between absolute evil in the end of this country and a guy who's not perfect. It's not a close fucking call. Vote for Joe Biden and do it with enthusiasm. There's no time for but Hillary now. And by the way, fuck you if you were a but Hillary. Those marching need to march to the polls in November and march people there with them to vote for Joe Biden. And for you Republicans who are upset about this, show some fucking balls. Do your goddamn job, Mattis and Kelly and Murkowski. Don't just come out and say, I don't like some of the things he does and he's a man, child, and immature. Fucking support Joe Biden. Come out. My wife says to me, I didn't even read this, that Colin Powell, Colin Powell came out and supported Joe Biden. And I said, I don't even think that's much of a surprise. Didn't didn't he come out in favor of Hillary Clinton? I meant to look that up. I don't even remember. But they need to come out in support of Joe Biden. Let's fight about where Joe Biden should be later on. But let's anyone with any kind of integrity at all in this country, whatever exists of a Republican who believes that this country should remain as one and believes in honest government. Let's get Biden in and let, then let's have the fight about how he should govern. But if you don't if you don't like Donald Trump, but you're getting tax cuts and you're gonna support him or you're not gonna do anything to actually get this guy not defeated at this point, you should rot in fucking hell. You should go there for eternity and you should fucking rot there. People have been noting how history will judge. People involved in this and the protests. Well, I'm reminded of the fact that William Barr recently pointed out that it depends on who's writing the history. And it is possible that these people will not be judged harshly, at least for a very long time, because for the next hundred years in this country, the history might be written by Donald Trump and white supremacists and the scum of the earth. We can't leave it up to history. So far, the good guys have managed to write the history, but it only takes once for the good guys to lose. And then history will look very different and it will be written very differently than it has been in the past. Anyway, that's our show for today. Uh, I will talk, continue the conversation about accountability with discussions of tort reform, which Donald Trump has proposed, and get back into our discussions of what we should be learning from the coronavirus epidemic, as well as what we should be learning from the current spate of protests. In any event, until then, be safe, be well, be informed, and I'll see you soon. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal.